Father, we're so thankful today that we can sense your Holy Spirit in this place. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit still moves and still interacts with our hearts. Your word says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And this morning as we have worshipped you, we sense the presence of your spirit. And Father, we're so grateful that you are a God of miracles. I pray today for those that are in our service, whether present or online, that are desperate for a miracle from God. Father, I pray that even now your Holy Spirit would begin to move. I pray that even now the power of God would be present in our living rooms, would be present wherever we are watching, wherever we are participating in this service from, that your spirit would begin to move. Father, I pray let faith arise like never before. And I pray, Lord, that above all else, that you will receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. And Father, we surrender ourselves to your will and to your plan for our lives. I pray, Father, anoint your word. As we open it up, as we look into it, I pray, Lord, that, that you would anoint my voice, anoint my lips as a vessel, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move in us today, that your Holy Spirit would bring the truth of your word alive into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you today. Thank you for joining us here for Church Online. My name is Kevin Taylor. I'm the lead pastor here at Silver Creek Church. It's a joy to be with you today. Thank you for joining us. And we're continuing our series called Miracles. And I want to start this morning by asking you this question, what is a miracle. I think that as a culture that we really set an incredibly low bar for our definition of what a miracle is. One of the most well-known uses of the phrase, the word miracle in a phrase is from our Olympic hockey team's gold medal, miracle on ice, because of something that was improbable, we define it as a miracle. But a miracle is defined as a surprising event not explicable by natural laws or scientific laws. And it is considered to be a work of a divine agency. Now in my life, about two and a half years ago, something happened to me that I often refer to as a miracle, but I want to break it down for just a moment when we use this definition of miracle. It was on a Thursday night that I went to an exercise class, and about a minute and a half after that exercise class begun, began, I 
had a cardiac arrest, and I fell to the ground without a pulse. In essence, I was dead. And over the next several days, I went through bypass surgery, a double bypass surgery. And it's amazing to me that people go through this surgery all the time. Since that time, I even have watched that surgery online on YouTube so that I could see what I actually went through and it is truly remarkable but people go through that surgery all the time. I went through that surgery because I had a coronary arrest and as amazing as it sounds two to three percent of people in America survive a coronary arrest where your heart actually stops. We have things called CPR, where people are, are trained to resuscitate those whose hearts have stopped. We have AED machines hanging on the wall, and those things were both used in my case. And CPR and AEDs save people's lives on a very regular basis. And so those things, in and of themselves, were not miracles. But I remember that day. I remember the feeling that just ran over and over in my mind throughout the day. I need to get to that class at that gym. I hadn't been at that exercise class in seven months. I was recovering from an injury. I had been running all summer. But now I felt I needed to get to this class. And that thought ran through my mind over and over again. When I arrived at that class, the NMU women's golf team was there. They weren't planning on staying for the class, but they did. The batteries in the AED had been changed just a couple of weeks before, randomly. None of this is explicable, but it all came together at the same time. And the only way that I can explain it to you is that it was God's divine intervention in my life because without that divine intervention, I would not have survived. It's God's providence. It's the only explanation that I can find. And I frequently refer to it as a miracle in my life. The Bible is full of examples of miracles that are a lot different than mine was. We see in the Bible that at different times, God made the sun move backwards and another time where God made the sun stand still. We see the parting of the Red Sea before Moses and the children of Israel. We see that Jesus walked on water and he spoke and he commanded that the wind and the waves would be still and they obeyed. We see the healing of the lame man where the disciples said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And indeed he did so. We see Balaam's donkey in the Old Testament speak to him. And then we come to John chapter 11, where we're going to look today, and we see a miracle of resurrection. Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. 
And we see in John chapter 11 that his sisters, while he was sick, sent word to Jesus, your friend is sick, please come quickly. They wanted Jesus to come because they knew that Jesus had healed people. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus and they encouraged him to come as quickly as possible. As we read the text, we understand that Jesus did not immediately leave where he was, but instead he stayed where he was for two days. He was on the other side of the Jordan where John the Baptist had been baptizing people. In fact, Jesus himself may have been baptized there. We're not completely sure about it, but he was about a day's walk from the little village of Bethany where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. When Jesus got there, Lazarus by that point has been dead now four days. And the first person that meets him and has a conversation with him is Lazarus' sister Martha. And Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus responds to her and says, your brother will rise again. Now, I want you to understand that Martha misunderstood what Jesus was talking about. And she said, I, I believe that, that at the last day that we will all rise. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And then Jesus asks Martha a question, and it is that question that is the title of my message today. Do you believe? Martha answered with incredible faith. She said, I believe you are the Messiah. Let's look at John chapter 11, beginning at verse 38. And we'll read down through verse 44. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The Bible has 10 instances where we read that people were raised from the dead. Elijah, the prophet in the Old Testament, followed by another prophet, Elisha, whom he mentored, were both responsible for raising people from the dead. 
in the New Testament. Not only Jesus, but the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul as well were both used to raise people from the dead. And this story of Lazarus was not even the first person in Jesus' ministry that he did raise from the dead. In fact, Jesus raised a total of three people from the dead during his ministry. What I'd like to do today is look at three questions. Three questions that I hope will help us to understand what uh, what miracles are and understand more about how God wants to move in our lives through miracles. Question number one is this. What does the Bible say about miracles? Friends, I want you to know that above all else, the Bible tells us that God is a God of the miraculous and you can depend on that you can know that God is a God who performs miracles let's look at Psalm chapter 74 and verse 14 where it says you are the God who performs miracles you display your power among the peoples so when a miracle takes place. When God does a miracle, it is God exercising his power among people. As we look at the beginning of Scripture in the book of Genesis, we read about uh, that God created the heaven and the earth. And I want you to think about that for a moment. That, that, uh, and John 1 tells us, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. We know he's talking about Jesus, and nothing was made that was made without Jesus. So Jesus speaks, and planets and stars are hung in space. Jesus literally speaks, and creation takes place. He speaks and a lump of clay and dust, and he breathes into it, and life comes into God's greatest creature, creation, the, 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 the creation of man himself. Well, God, throughout Scripture, does miracles through people. I want you to look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. The miracles that Jesus did in his life, he did through the power of God. He created the worlds with a word, and then he did miracles during his life and his ministry. But the, the, the significant difference that I can see is that during his life, because he had laid aside his deity, the miracles that Jesus did were by the power of God, not by his own power. Scripture tells us that Jesus could do nothing unless the Father was doing it. And so those miracles were activities that God wanted to do. And Jesus said, use me. 
And we're, we see a promise in Scripture that as believers, that God wants to work the same way through us, that He wants to do miracles through us. Jesus told His followers in John chapter 14 and verse 12, He, he tells them this. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will He do, because... I am going to the Father. God desires to continue to work through believers and desires to continue to do miraculous things. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God has placed miracles or the gift of miracles within the context of the church. That God has distributed that gift of miracles by his Holy Spirit for the common good of the body of Christ. But I want you to know that as we look at the Bible, miracles are not limited only to God. Miracles can be from a source other than God. We read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where Paul says that the Antichrist will perform miracles when he comes into authority on the earth. And John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 13 says that the second beast will do many miracles, many wonders, many signs, and that he will deceive many through those miracles. I want you to understand that for every good and perfect thing that God has, that Satan has a fraudulent duplicate that he wants us to look at. But there's an ultimate test when it comes to miracles and their origin. And the ultimate test is this, does God get the glory? If God doesn't get the glory, that miracle does not originate with God. But when God gets all the glory, you can be sure that that miracle indeed comes from God. Let's look at John chapter 11 and verse 40. It says, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. We read that Jesus raised Lazarus and Jesus did so so that God would get the glory and so that his followers would see that glory and they would believe that Jesus indeed was the Son of God. Question number two is this. Why did Jesus perform miracles. Throughout Jesus' ministry, the Bible tells us that Jesus performed 37 miracles. As we look at the greater context of Scripture, conservatively, we read about 150 or more miracles that take place. And I want you to know that Jesus did not perform miracles so that he could somehow add to his fame, so that he could become more well-known. 
He didn't perform miracles to gain a following. In fact, the opposite is true. He actually uh, accused people of only following him so that they might see miracles or so they might eat the bread that he multiplied and used it to feed them. Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verses 24 and 25 where it says the disciples went and woke him, this is while they're in the boat, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked Sorry, I skipped something. I just totally <clears throat> I skipped a, a couple of points and it, not, it won't make sense. I'm sorry. Can we go back to question two? We don't keep doing, this is, this, this is, Benjamin, this is, it is so hard to do this. You know that I would, that this is not something that I want to have happen. Okay. Right, I understand that. It's a heck of a lot easier when you're live than when you're doing it on video. <clears throat> All right, okay, here we go. Question number two, why did Jesus perform miracles? As we look at Jesus' life and ministry, we read that Jesus performed about 37 miracles. In the Bible, the greater context of Scripture, we read that there were about 150 miracles that were performed in the text that we read. But Jesus didn't perform miracles to somehow become more famous or well-known he didn't perform miracles in order to gain a following. In fact, Jesus uh, got angry and accused people of following him, not because they wanted to believe in him, but because they wanted to see him perform miracles. It was entertaining for them to see people healed. You know, we can see from Scripture that, that Jesus performed miracles to fulfill prophecy. The prophet Isaiah said that the Messiah would heal the blind, that he would heal the deaf, that he would heal the lame, that he would heal the mute. Jesus performed miracles in order to demonstrate his authority over nature. Let's read Luke chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. Jesus and his disciples are, are in the boat, uh, and there's a storm that has come up, and it says the, dis the disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and was calm. Where is your faith, he asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Jesus showed his authority 
over nature. We also see that Jesus performed miracles in order to show that he had authority over Satan and demonic forces. I love the scripture in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 29 where Jesus says in in this discussion that he's having with the Pharisees because they've accused him of casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub, he says this, to his disciples, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Jesus demonstrated his authority over Satan and over demonic forces by the miracles that he did. And finally, we see that Jesus performed miracles so that people would believe that he was the Son of God. There in Bethany, as he stood before the tomb that Lazarus was in, we read in John chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, So then he told them plainly, this is actually with his disciples before arriving in Bethany, Lazarus is dead and for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Jesus had a reason for every miracle that he performed and his greatest desire was that those that were his followers, those who were even observers, that they would believe. Jesus delayed in coming to Bethany. He delayed uh, getting there before uh, Lazarus had died. Why? Because that would lead to a miracle. That miracle would then lead to faith. And that faith always leads to the glory of God. Jesus' desire was to give the Father glory and that when people saw the glory of God, they would put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Question number three that I want us to look at is what role does faith play in miracles in our own lives? I believe that the Bible shows us very clearly that God has unlimited power. And what I believe that that means is that God can do whatever he wants at any time that he wants. But I also see that God has made the decision that somehow it pleases him to exercise that unlimited power in response to faith of people like you and me. Look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. God has unlimited power. God wants to use that power today, but he has chosen to use people to work through. Now, Jesus did miracles for those who had already believed. 
And sometimes he did miracles because those miracles would lead people to a place where they had faith in Jesus Christ. When Jesus got to Bethany, Martha had this incredible expression of faith. She said to Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. What she was saying is, Jesus, I believe that you could have and would have healed my brother. What a statement of faith. Let's go back to John 11, verse 22, and let's continue reading on down where it says this, but I know, this is Martha, that even now God will give you whatever you ask. What a statement of faith. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. What an incredible statement of faith. And Martha has this statement even before Jesus has, has brought her brother Lazarus back from the dead. Jesus teaches us that faith prompts God to respond to our need. Jesus healed in Scripture based sometimes on faith of a parent, other times a, a, a faith of a friend. How many times in our lives have we been praying for someone? Have we been believing for God to heal them. God works through us. The faith that we have sometimes on behalf of another. There were times where miracles were completely unrelated to faith of any kind. What we really learn is that there is no formula in Scripture. There is no guarantee that the sovereignty of God often comes into play, but God still works through faith. I was thinking about this this week and how God moves differently in different situations, and I'm reminded that I have two friends. One was a heroin addict. The other was an alcoholic. One was delivered from his addiction in one day without withdrawal, without any negative effects, without any problems, without any setbacks. God miraculously delivered him and he never used heroin again. The other one said to me years after he stopped drinking that not a day goes by that he doesn't feel the desire for a drink. But both men have faith. Both men are walking in God's deliverance. Ultimately, their healing is based on God's sovereignty. 
Let's look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know, probably the most amazing thing to me in the story of Lazarus is found in verse 35, the shortest, smallest verse in the entire Bible, which simply says, Jesus wept. I find that amazing because Jesus already knew that he was going to call Lazarus from that grave. He knew that Lazarus was going to come back to life. And yet, he shed tears of grief and sorrow. And what that tells me is that Jesus understands. That Jesus understands the grief and the sorrow, not just of that day and that moment, but that he understands my grief. He understands my sorrow. He understands your grief and your sorrow when you are desperate for a miracle. He understands. Friends, I want you to know that he still performs miracles today. I close with Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18 where John the Revelator writes the words of Jesus, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And here's the part I want to focus on. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus has authority over death. Jesus has authority over all things. And he is still a God of miracles today. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close our time together today. I'm going to pray in just a moment. But I'm going to have the worship team sing that song that we sang a little bit earlier. It's called Rattle. And I want you, if you need a miracle today, I want you to say in your heart what Martha said, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and I believe that you are still a God of miracles. I want you even, whether wherever you are right now, stand to your feet and let's worship the Lord. And when the song is done, I'll come back and we'll pray together, believing God for a miracle. Father, as we stand before you,
I'm going to do that again because that S was really bad. Father, as we stand before you, as we have lifted up our, our worship to you, we've declared that we believe that you are a God of miracles. We've declared that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that you still do miracles today. Father, I know that there are some that are listening right now and they need a miracle. Friend, if that's you, I believe that God is speaking to you right now and what I want you to do is to take a step of faith and I want you to slip your hand up if that's you. You say, I need a miracle today. Father, I pray you see those whose hands are raised. And I pray that that raised hand would simply be a step of faith. Not just an acknowledgement that they need a miracle, but that they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That they believe that God is still a God of miracles. And God, I pray that right now that your Holy Spirit would move. I pray that the power of God would move upon them. And I pray for a divine intervention of the power of God. And I pray, let faith arise. Father, I pray for the miracles of God to take place. Father, we believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.